if you will, to turn back with me to Proverbs, the 29th chapter, verse number 7. This is our, our base scripture for our series. We're entitled, Do You Really Care? Do you really care? Do you really care in the biblical sense of the word care? And, and looking at ourselves to see if we really have gotten to the point to where we understand what this is all about. Glory to God. Proverbs 29, verse number 7. And we'll read that and we'll jump into our lesson text. Scripture says, the godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Amen. The wicked don't care at all. The godly care about the rights of the poor. The wicked don't care at all. Amen. So we've been, again, we've, we've had several components of this series that we've went through. And today we're going to delve a little bit deeper and look at, uh, some things that can help us to, to formulate our care model, to formulate how we as born-again believers, how we as members of the family of faith here at EBC will be so dialed in and focused on what it means to care. So, to when you mentioned the name EBC, I want people to understand that that is a caring church, that those individuals that make up that congregation of faith there know what it really means to care, know what it really means to be there when people are going through. I want to share something with you real quickly. I got a, a letter from one of our radio listeners down in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, we own you know, 13 stations across the southeast. And, uh, and oftentimes we'll receive feedback uh, from uh, those individuals who are listening to the message via the radio. And, and by the way, I want to thank you for being supporters of the ministry work here, especially you all that so specifically toward the radio ministry. It gives us the capacity to reach people outside of our current listening area, or it gives us, gives us the capacity to reach those people who will never step foot in this church. But guess what? They're hearing the same word that you're hearing. Amen? And that word is having impact. I received this letter. It says, Pastor Doyle, just a short note to express my thanks for your team answering my request for a series of your teachings on how to handle your business. I spoke with Ms. Beverly several weeks ago. She was very helpful. I live in Mobile and hear your teachings on WYJD at 5.30 p.m. each day during the week. It could easily take three or four pages to explain how it came that I found your lessons but God had it in his plans that we collided. He says, I lost, listen to this right quick, because I told you before, you know, learning how to show people that we really care is important because there are times when we're going through life and everything seems to be going smooth and and and, and looks like we've handled life up, up to this point without very much uh, turmoil or tragedy. But then all of a sudden, things can happen. A diagnosis, a lost loved one, a lost job, all those things can happen. But in this writing, he says, I lost my sister in April of 2017. I lost my mom in August of 2017. And I lost my son to a murder in August of 2013. He says, everything, everyone goes through life, but none go untouched. And that's exactly right. Your teachings come, uh, your teachings come different. He says, they hit where the rubber meets the road. He said, I've been a member of our local church. He named that church. He says, I've been a member of that church for 59 years and have a great pastor who does very similarly. He says, I look forward to your lessons, Pastor Doyle, and would like to offer a small tithe to maybe help in you in, in your in-your-face teachings. That's what he calls it. 
And so, so when, I, when I get that kind of feedback, I realize, and God is just confirming that, hey, listen, what you guys are doing as far as reaching outside of yourselves is critically important. Because there are people who we'll never meet, there are people who we'll never come in contact with, but they'll hear a word via the radio or the website, and that word can help transform their lives. I'll never forget, we were preaching up in McNeil, Arkansas, several years ago, probably about 15 years ago. And as we were, we were on a station at that time, uh, 92.9 FM, that reached into southern Arkansas. And we were at a service, a second service, and we were preaching. And a lady got up during the comment period, and she said this, and it stuck with me. She said, Pastor Adams, I want to let you know that through your ministering via the radio, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. And see, that made it all worthwhile. When someone says, through that preached word that I heard via the radio, never saw that woman in my life and probably will never see her again. But that testimony inspired me to, to continue to do radio outreach. We've been doing it for 20 plus years, but we could not do that without you all sowing faithfully into this gospel ministry because it ain't all about building kingdom here. It's about building the body of Christ universally. Can I get a witness? So if you got your Bibles, I want you to go turn with me again to Mark the 10th chapter. Go to Mark chapter 10. thought I wanted to share that with you because that's, sometimes we don't hear those stories, but Brother Leroy, who handles our radio outreach ministries, oftentimes sending uh, CDs out to people. We're giving requests for those. But it's important for you to know that the word is reaching beyond Benton, Louisiana. Amen? And that's important. Mark the 10th chapter. Look at me at verse number 46. Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. Glory to God. Mark 10, verse number 46. Are y'all excited today? It's good to, go to see my friend, Brother Henry Bubba Moore in the house this morning. Bless you, Brother Bubba. Glory to God. All right, the text says this, then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and as, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. Keep reading. The text says this, when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When the text says he began to shout it. Y'all know what it means to shout? I mean, how many of y'all got big mouths when, it come, when you want to be, okay? How many of y'all went to ball games on Fridays and Saturdays and you're going to sit in front of the TV today, Doris, and watch the... Oh, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> and going to shout at the TV. Uh, he, he, the text says Jesus, he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Let's keep reading. The text says in verse number 48, be quiet. <laughs> Many of the people yell at him like some of you people will do with you. If you get too loud in church, in some churches, they're going to look at you funny. If you get too loud in some churches, they're going to come over and start fanning you. If you get too loud, I mean, you know, in expressive and your praise and worship, sometimes they get a little thrown off by that. But they told him to be quiet. But he only shouted what? Loud. How many of you know when you need a need, when you got a need that needs to be met, you ain't going to let nobody stop you from pursuing the one who can meet that need. Can I get a witness up in there? But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. Look at the next verse. It says what? Uh, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Verse number 50. Come on, let's read. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Next verse says what? What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. 
My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Verse 52. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Instantly. Everybody say instantly. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. He followed Jesus down the road. And after Jesus healed him, he started what? Following him. Now, guys, as we get into this, uh, we see the story of Bartimaeus is, is, is packed full of insights and inspirations for us as born-again believers today here in 2018 to reflect on. Referring to a couple of things here, referring to Jesus as the son of David reveals something. It, re it revealed that Bartimaeus' faith, it, it, it revealed his faith and it indicated that he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. When he said, son of David, have mercy on me. That indicated that he knew that the Messiah will be referred to as what? The son of David. So, so, so it reveals, uh, this story reveals Bartimaeus' faith and indicated he knew who Jesus was. Not only that, but the, although the crowd tried to silence him, as we just read, and tried to minimize his circumstances, Bartimaeus was relentless in crying out to Jesus and asking Jesus to have mercy on him. See, guys, let me tell you something. If there is a need that you have, don't you dare let anybody talk you out of coming to Jesus for that need. Don't you dare let anybody try to change your mind or change your, your, your focus in getting to Jesus and let him know whatever that need is. I don't care how minute, I don't care how small it may seem, you take it to Jesus and he'll make everything all right. I'm a living witness that Jesus cares about every one of our concerns. It may seem trivial to your relatives. It may seem trivial to your spouse. It may seem like something that's, that, that, that's not even worthy to be bringing to the master, but every little thing, every little concern that we have, the Bible says, cast what all of your cares on him for he what? Cares for you. So it doesn't matter what it is, no matter what you're dealing with, you throw it over on Jesus. Look at the neighbor, neighbor, throw it over on Jesus. Glory to God. Now, now third thing, third observation here is, is even when things may have seemed obvious, watch this now, even when things may have seemed obvious, instead of assuming, Jesus asked Bartimaeus what he wanted him to do. So many times we assume things. So many, so many times uh, we, we, we go on, on, on false assumptions, but Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do? And Bartimaeus then answered him in response and told him, I, I, I want to be made whole. I want to be able to see. See, don't... You, one thing I, I, I hear people say all the time, well, you know, the Lord knows what I need. There's no need to ask him because he knows everything. Yes, he does. But I read in my Bible that the Bible says, ask and it shall be given unto you. The Bible says, seek and ye shall what? Find. The Bible says, knock and the door shall be opened. So the Bible tells us part of our interaction with the master is that we have to ask. Yes, God knows what's going on in our life, but he set it up to the point to where we in faith have to come to him and ask those things that we need of him. So, so, so again, we, we see those things and I observe it in the text, but many believers are you know, sitting here today and many of you are sitting here today are confident that Jesus is a healer, yet you may question if he will answer your prayers. You're confident that he's a way maker. You sing it all the time, you shout over it, Amen. 
he's a way maker, but do you believe that he can make a way for you? You believe, and you, if I were to put you down right now with a lie detector test right in front of this altar, you would, you would, you would probably pass that and say, I believe, but do you really believe? See, see, guys, it's one thing to know that he's a redeemer, but can he redeem you? It's one thing to know he's a healer, but can he heal you? Do you believe he can heal you? It's one thing to know that he's a way maker, but can he make a way for you? So, so when we look at this, this text here, uh, uh, we see Bartimaeus uh, uh, crying out. Go, go over right quick, if you will, to James, the first chapter, because so many times, again, I, I question sometimes whether or not we, in our own lives as Christians, really believe that God can do certain things. Go to James chapter 1. Verses 6 through 8 with me right quick. James chapter 1, uh, verse 6 through 8. As a matter of fact, let's do this. Uh, let's start uh, at verse number 1. No, I'll start at verse number 2. James 1, verse number 2. James 1, verse number 2. Watch this right quick. The text says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, look at me, guys. All of us are going to have troubles coming our way. You're going to have trouble in this life you know, I think it was in Job says our days are a few and they're full of trouble. We're going to have stuff that come our way and it ain't had anything to do with a decision that we made. Sometimes it's just sin in the earth realm causes stuff to happen, right? Stuff breaks down because anything that man makes has an expiration date on it. It can't last forever. That car you got, you can drive it, but at some point in time, uh, without, especially without proper maintenance, it's going to break down because it's made by man. So we're going to have stuff that happens in our life. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Look at the next verse. Let's go. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse 4. Let's go. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Verse number five, let's go. It says, uh, if you need wisdom, do what? Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. It tells us to do what? To ask. Verse six, let's go. It says what? But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Watch this now. When I'm asking him for what it is I'm petitioning him for, I got to make sure that my faith is in God alone. I can't put my faith in my wife. I thank God for my wife. She's my biggest and strongest supporter. But my wife ain't God. And my wife could let me down, just like I could let her down. Amen? So, so it says, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God what alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is, an, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Next verse, let's read. Uh, Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. When you double-minded, when you divided loyalties. Next verse, verse 8. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. A double-minded man, KJV says, is unstable in all of his ways. So don't expect to receive anything of the Lord if you're trusting the world and trying to trust God at the same time. Now get back with me to our, our scripture text. We talked about the fact, and I want you to just jot this down. Our, the subtitle of this lesson today is Asking Questions. Okay? Asking Questions, our subtitle. But the core principle 
that I want us to reflect on today is in each one of these lessons, we're giving you a core principle. The core principle that we want to reflect on today is what? Encourage reflection. <laughs> I want to encourage reflection. Everybody say encourage reflection. Now, now, now guys, think about this for a second. Think about this just for a second. As you go back to Bar Bar blind Bartimaeus on the roadside, hollering out and yelling for Jesus to come and have mercy upon him, thou son of David. Jesus is all-knowing, which I'll agree. He knows everything, yet he regularly asks questions. All right? Think about it for a second. Jesus is all-knowing, yet he regularly asks questions. And what we discover from the story of Bartimaeus is that questions, hear me, hear me out, questions are more for the person being asked than for the person asking. I'm going to repeat that again. Questions are more for the person being asked the question than for the person who's doing the asking. Do you not really think for one second that God didn't know where Adam was in the garden? Huh? Do you, do, do you absolutely think for one second that God who created the heavens and earth, God who created the Garden of Eden, did not realize where Adam was when he asked him, where art thou, Adam? See, that question is asked to cause Adam to do some reflection. How many of y'all have ever asked him question, but you already knew the question? You already knew the answer to the question before you ever asked it. When somebody is doing something crazy and, and, and they all bent down, I'll say, but you ask them, how's that working for you? You already know how it's working for them. But you ask him the question so they can begin to do what? Reflect. Huh? See, that happens all the time. So Jesus is all-knowing, yet he regularly asks questions. Throughout Scripture, we find questions that encourage reflection and direct people's attention to God. Let's get, look at a few right here. Go to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew, chapter six. Glory to God. How many of y'all ever had your mom or your daddy in their wise state ask you a question and they already know the answer to it? <laughs> they ask you, sweetheart, how, 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 how are you and John doing? They already know you and John shooting blanks. Huh? But they're asking that to cause you to reflect. Because you're going around being all crazy, and John ain't really stutting you, as they say. And mama already knows that. She knew he wasn't no good when you first brought him home because she had a spirit of discernment. Come on, get, can I get a witness up in here? She already knew he wasn't no good when you first started dating, but she couldn't tell you anything. And now you're in covenant relationship with a no good, okay. And mama just asking you some questions to cause you to reflect. She already know what's going on because God gave her spirit discernment. Look at Matthew 6, chapter verse number 25. Jesus commonly and on the regular asked questions, yet he already knew the answer to the question that he asked. Look at, man, when I start reading, I'm like, Jesus, man, you, you, I, you just do what you do. You, you, you're my Savior, you're my Lord, and I, you listen, I'm, I'm going to keep following you. Matthew 6, chapter verse number 25. Are y'all there with me? Let's read together. It says what? That is why I tell you not to worry and Jesus is teaching on worry. He says, that's why I tell you not to worry. That's why, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. 
whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Now, here's, he asked the question, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? You know Jesus knows the answer to that, right? Okay, keep reading. Next verse is what? Look at the bride. Look at the birds. Not the bride. How do I see bride in there? Man, am I, it starts with a B, so it's a bride, bird, same thing. She may be a bird, bitty bird, okay. Wow. <laughs> look at what the text says. It says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And watch what he says. Aren't you more valuable to him than they are, than the birds? Now, you know, Jesus already knows that, that man is more valuable than, than the animals that were created. Amen? Look at the next verse. Let's keep reading. It says what? He's still asking questions, right? He says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? He knew the answer to that. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Look at the next verse. It says what? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Next verse, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Verse 30, he's, he's, he's got a point he's trying to make. And if God cares, here's another question, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Come on, let's keep reading. He's still asking questions. He already knows the answer, but he's asking so don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Verse 32 says what? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Verse 33, watch this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteousness, and he will give you what? Everything that you need. Go to Matthew the seventh chapter with me right quick. Verse number three, we're going to read that, but he's still asking questions. Because again, what did I tell you? Questions are more for the person being asked than for the person asking. When, when you got somebody who's, who's wise and who's, who's in a relationship with you, I'm not talking about nosy people. Because we have some of those too. Nosy people ask questions just because they want to know stuff. But when you are relational, when you really care about people, you ask questions to cause them to reflect, to encourage them to reflect on that situation, to encourage them to reflect on, do I really have faith? Because how many of y'all know we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're someplace that we're really not? Hello? We can trick ourselves into thinking that we're further along spiritually than we really are. So, so, so if I ask you this question, do you trust God for your resources? Most of y'all will say what? Yes. And then I'll come back and ask you, are you a faithful tither and giver of the offering? Well, hello. See, now that question causes you to reflect if I really trust God, because God said, bring ye all the tithes and offering into the storehouse. He says, what, Cassandra? Prove me now herewith. With what? Here with what? With the tithe, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not pour you out a windows of heaven blessing. So if I, if, that you won't have room to receive. So if I believe God, 
Yes, it's good for me to say that, but when the question is asked, am I a tither and a faithful giver of offering, supporter of the work of ministry? If I'm not doing that because I'm scared I'm not going to make it, then I don't really believe God. Hello? Then I don't really believe God. If you believed, come on, if you believe that while I'm preaching, I'm going to give out $10,000, to the next person who comes to the altar, you will be at the altar, wouldn't you? But you know that I'm not going to do that right now because I'm preaching. And the Bible says that's out of order. But how many of you believe now that if you come to midweek Bible study, you can get blessed? Oh, in case y'all didn't hear, a few Wednesdays ago, we blessed everybody who came to Bible study with a full tank of gas. Everybody who had a car, who came to Bible study, got blessed with a full tank of gas. I, some, some of y'all who got it saying amen, the other folks were that ain't right. <laughs> guys, guys, watch the text. Watch, come on. Everybody say, asking questions. Jesus oftentimes, who's all-knowing, he knew the answer before he ever asked it, and, and, and when Bartimaeus came to him, Jesus said, what, what do you want me to do? For now, Jesus knew what the man wanted. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind. But Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Glory to God. Watch this. And why, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye? Here's a question. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own eye? What Jesus is, is coming down. Read the next verse. Let's read it. It says what? How can you, he's asking questions again. How, he already knows the answer to this. He says, how can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Look at the next verse. Watch this. It says what? Hypocrite. <laughs> First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will what? See well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Now, he didn't say don't deal with the speck in your friend's eye, did he? Well, what he says was get rid of the log in your eye so you can see what? Well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. How am I going to help you deal with stuff and I ain't got stuff out of my life right? In my life right. Are y'all with me? All right. So he's still asking questions. Go to Matthew the 8th chapter right quick. Matthew 8, 26. Come on. We got to move. We got to move. So we, when we show that we really care about people, part of our caring has to involve asking questions. Amen? Asking questions. If somebody want to borrow money from you, and they, they, they consistently want to borrow money from you, you got to start asking questions to cause them to reflect on what they're doing that's putting them into a position to always borrow money from you and don't half pay you back. I threw that one in parenthetical. Some of y'all know what it feels like to have someone get something from you, promise to pay it back, and then avoid you when they don't pay you back. See, the problem is you didn't ask enough questions to cause them to reflect on why they're in that position. Now, everybody goes through some stuff. And everybody has some emergencies. What's they come up? But if I don't 
ask you to reflect on your situation, then all I'm doing is giving you a fish for the day. When I want to teach you how to fish for a lifetime. Because if I teach you how to fish for a lifetime, you'll feed your own self. Can I get a witness up in here? All right, now watch, watch, watch this. Jesus responded. Are y'all with me? Let's, let's go. He says, what? Why are you afraid? Now, he's, he's, he's teaching him about them trusting him and not fearing. He says, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. He knew why they were afraid, but he asked the question, why are you afraid? He says, you have so little. He tells them why they're afraid. You have so little faith. Then he got up and did what? Rebuked the wind and the waves, and suddenly all was what? Calm. It was calm, all right? Give you another question he asked. Go to Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse number four to six. Now, look, 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 look at this one real good. Matthew, the 12th chapter. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number four to six. Do you really care? Part of caring means it requires us to ask questions that cause the person who we're caring for to reflect on their situation. Matthew, the 12th chapter, verse number 46. And I watch this. Watch what the text says. Matthew 12, verse 46. It says, well, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside asking to do what? To speak to him. Look at what the text says. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to speak to you. All right, now look, look at what Jesus said. Now, you, know, you, you all have read this over the years and some, some of y'all probably think, well, Jesus was being rude. What? But again, he asked a question <laughs> with a purpose in mind. He asked a question to encourage the ones who are receiving the question to reflect on what he wants them to know. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Now, you know who his mother was. Come on now. Who is my mother? Who are my brothers, he said. Is that what it says? Come on, read, read it with it on purpose. Jesus, Y'all read us read. Jesus asked, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Now, let me ask you a question. Did he know who his mama was? Did he know who his brothers were? So we already knew the answer to this question, right? If, if he didn't know it, then we, we, we something wrong with our Savior, right? Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. Then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and what? Brothers. Keep, verse 50 said what? Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, guys, Jesus was not denying his responsibility to his earthly family here in this text. I mean, on the contrary, he had earlier criticized some of these same religious leaders for not following the Old Testament command to honor their parents. And so he provided, as a matter of fact, when he was hanging on the cross, y'all remember that, he's on the cross, he provided for his mother's security after he was gone uh, when, when, he, when he looked down and, and told John to take care of him, right? His mother and brothers were present in the upper room at Pentecost. He knew who they were. Come on, guys. But what he's doing right here, Jesus was pointing out that spiritual relationships are just as binding as physical ones. What do you mean by that, preacher? Well, if spiritual relationships are just as binding as physical relationships, that means that I don't side with you in a church matter because you're my brother and you're wrong. I, I, don't, I don't side, and some people do that. I'm on blood, what, what? 
thicker than water. And I, your brother, Pastor, I know what you're saying, but that's my brother. No, your brother was wrong. And your brother needs to be disfellowship because he won't repent. And we've came to him according to what the scripture says. Went to him one-on-one, -on -one, brought two or three other spiritual brothers, brought them for the church, and he insists on living in open sin. So we came to him and said, you got to leave here. Well, he leave, I'm leaving. The spiritual relationship is just as binding and important as the physical relationship. Don't ever stand with somebody when they're wrong. I don't care if it's your mama, your daddy, your husband, or your wife, or your children. All you helicopter mamas. Do y'all know what a helicopter mama is? As one who hovers over her children, don't teach them how to make the decisions, still make up the bed for them at 25, still filling out forms for them when he's 30, still paying his bills, helicopter, poop, 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 poop. just hovering over. Poop, 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 poop. That's what a helicopter mom is, in case you didn't know. We got some helicopter dads too. All right, y'all with me? What he's saying here is your spiritual relationship and connection is just as binding as the physical connection. Are y'all listening to me today? So Jesus knew, obviously, he knew who his mother was and who his brothers was. And so what he's trying to do again, he's trying to, he was, he was trying to pave a way for a new way of thinking about their relationship with God and their fellow man. He's trying to pave a way for them, uh, for, for, for these community of believers uh, to, to, to realize that they have a spiritual family as well as a physical family. Let me give you one more right quick and we're going to get ready to go. Uh, Matthew 16 chapter, he's asking questions. And we, in our, in our zeal, in our effort to show care, just like Jesus asked blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? He already knew, but he wanted him to reflect. Okay, Matthew, the 16th chapter, verse number 15. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me today? He says, then he asked them. And y'all know this, 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 it says, but whom do you say that I am? Look at the next verse. Verse 16 says what? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Next verse says what? Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Next verse says what? Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers or the gates of hell will not conquer, will not prevail against it. Jesus, Jesus asked questions. Come, he, he, come on, guys. He already knew he was the Messiah, right? But he asked the questions. See, asking questions, as, as I said, when it comes to caring, we discover from the story of Bartimaeus that questions are more for the person being asked than for the person doing the asking. Jesus commonly did it. God commonly did it. And, and, and we, if we're going to show that we care, have to learn how to ask questions. Everybody say, I'm not, I'm, everybody say questions. When I say questions, I don't mean nosy questions. I mean questions that encourage reflection. 
Now, now watch this. Um, let me give you some things here to help you in that, in that regard, because if we're going to ask questions, uh, we need to know how to do it the right way, okay? Uh, so, so three things to ask yourself about the question that you're going to ask as you show care in a situation. Because when, when, when we're called upon to show that we care, we have to have some measure of, 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 of what's happening in the situation, right? If we're going to really care in the true sense of the word, because we want to be there with people. We want to help them through their process. So, so three things to ask yourself about the question that you ask. Number one, what is my motivation for asking the question? All right. Again, what is my motivation for asking the question? Is it just to be nosy or is it to, to, to dig a little deeper so I can get a greater understanding so I can adequately help this person? What is my motivation for asking the question? We see that Jesus asked questions and he, as he asked those questions, those questions were designed to encourage the person on the receiving end to reflect on their own lives. Jesus asked them when they stormed, why, why are you scared? Why are you afraid? And then he goes on to ask, oh, ye of little faith. They were afraid because they didn't have faith. And many times in our own life, guys, we don't like to admit it, but there are times that we're scared about stuff because we don't have faith. Our faith has not been developed because faith comes by here. It don't come by coming to church. Let me say it again. Faith doesn't come by you coming to church, sitting up in here every Sunday, saying hallelujah, glory. No, no, no. No, no. It don't come that way. The Bible says faith cometh by and hearing by what? The word of God. But you don't, you, you saved. Yes, you died today. You're going to heaven. But you don't have any faith because you don't have any word time. And you think you can pray your way to more faith. You think that, that it's going to, faith come different for you. Even though the Bible says faith come by hearing by the word of God, it come different for you. You just, just kind of think on it. It's going to come. No, 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 no. Faith coming by what? And hearing by what? So, so what is, what is, again, what is my motivation for asking the question? Number two. How might the people being asked a question benefit? How might the people being asked a question benefit? I got I to think about this when I'm getting to asking questions to try to help them reflect. Because we got to recognize the importance of asking good questions. How might the people being asked a question benefit? And thirdly, how might their answer help me love them? How might their answer help me to love them. How might my answer help me to love them? Because again, think about this for a second. If somebody, how many of y'all have ever had somebody borrow money from you before? Come on. It's not a sin to borrow money. Because the Bible even says this, that, that we should be lenders and not borrowers. Right? But if, if you have somebody who you're in relationship with and they come and ask you, so, so if I'm going to ask a question, especially if this is you know, second, third, fourth, fifth time that they've come to me, then, then what I want to do is I need to surmise what is their situation. If I really care about them, then I want them to get to a position where they don't have to come and borrow. Because if the Bible says we should be lenders and not borrowers, then we ought to be putting ourselves in a position where we can lend. Amen. Do y'all want to go with me right quick? Are y'all still with me? I want to make sure you're with me. So, so, so when you have this happen, so the first question I want to know is, hey, 
Have you guys sat down and did a budget? But budget? What's a budget? Well, see now, now I'm I'm getting some 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 glimpses. I'm, well, let me put it this way: you don't like budget. Have you all sat down and wrote out on paper or typed it into an Excel spreadsheet or in or in you can just do it in Word or whatever? Have you sat down and and put down on paper how much money or revenue do you have coming into your household on a regular basis? And how much money do you have going out of your household on a regular basis? And do you evaluate that on a regular basis? Do you look at it monthly? Or do you just guess whether or not you're going to have enough money to make it to the end of the month? But pastor, I just live by faith. Okay, you super spiritual person, you. Jesus said, before a man goes to build a tower, build a building, he has to do what? Count up the cost to see whether or not he has sufficient supply to finish the thing. So writing down what you have coming in and what's going out is the first area to, 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 to finding out what's wrong that's causing you to consistently be in this position. Because again, and, and don't just think about it. Somebody said, well, you know, I got it in my head. No, I don't want it in your head. Write it down. The Bible says the vision is for an appointed time. The Bible says write the vision down. The budget is a vision. Put it down on paper. See where you are and put it down on paper where you want to be. Because there's something about seeing it in writing. Everybody say Vision. Why would God tell him to write the vision so that he that read it can do what? Run with it. You don't have any concept. You, if I ask you where you're going, and all of us, all of us in, all, in different areas of our lives have not written down everything we need to, but I'm going to encourage all of us in here to start writing down what your goals and your visions are. And begin to pray over those things. Begin to look at it. And so, especially when it comes to money, because you may discover that I don't have enough revenue in this top line to take care of all these expenses that I'm paying out every month. And that's the problem. And the first thing we want to do is say, well, you know, but pastor, you know, I, I just, you know, I know you're talking about tithing, but you know what? I, I can't afford to. Yes, you can. Is it, I'm not saying you can't afford not to. The reason why, you know, you, <laughs> I promise you, and I, I, I'm not even a betting man, but I would have bet you right now that most of us here waste more than a tithe on a monthly basis. I promise you, if you look at how much money you spend at Southern Classic <laughs> getting that chicken, Olive Garden, Walk-Ons, Wendy's, Burger King, come on. Silver Star, hello, Red Lobster, Longhorns. Some of y'all going to Texas Roadhouse, you can't even get up in that place on Sunday. Somebody told me, this, this is God on truth. One of my pastor friends told me, he said, bro, pastor, he says, uh, a lot of y'all tied up in Texas Roadhouse. He said, I saw a, a, a buku of EBC members up at Texas Roadhouse. That's what he told me. 
Okay, he said, I already paid my tithe. Like I said. <laughs> but I promise you, if you, start, if you start looking at what you spend out, and, and, but you got to write it down. Because see, intuitively in your mind, we, we, we trick our own self. It ain't, it ain't very much. How many of y'all know you, you can fool your own self? Because in my mind, <laughs> Maria was on me about portion controls, and we were, we were talking about portion controls. And then, and then I put my plate together, and in my mind, Carlos, in my mind, that's a good portion. I mean, it's a decent portion. But, but in her mind, when she looked at you, she said, baby, you're supposed to have something like a hand, whatever that is. And, and y'all, y'all, y'all that do this stuff all the time, you know, you, you know but you know, you know what I'm talking about. But when I looked at it in my mind, I thought it was done. I didn't want to read a label. I didn't want to see how much of an ounce of this. Because if I saw that in writing, I would have known that what I had was too much. So I want to just judge it. Come on now, because when you ain't really into something, you kind of want to halfway do it. I'm going to just judge. I'm going to eyeball it, Danny. Well, that's, that looked like that bottom. That, that's, that ain't too much. But had I put it in one of those containers that they give you, you know, and you put it in there, then put it on their plate, and you start looking at it, it'd be like that. I got to finish, y'all. So what am I saying? Writing down and, and as, asking questions calls the person to reflect on where they are. Maybe you, you, you're doing, maybe you're eating out all the time because there's something, you know, there, there's something that's called comfort food. Maybe there's something missing on the inside that you hadn't dealt with and you cover that by eating. Maybe there's a, something that you're dealing with and caused you to be depressed so, so you just eat your way. You, you know that's, that people do that, right? And I, again, I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody, but my, what I'm saying is asking questions will cause the person to reflect. But when you ask the question, how might that answer help me to love them better? Okay? Y'all got those three? So, so, so there's four types of questions. Okay? And when you, again, let me, let me throw this in. When you're asking questions too, don't be asking questions just so you can get the scoop. Don't be nosy. Jesus asked questions, I already know the answer, so you can cause them to reflect. So, so the, what, what four types of questions? What first one is the type of question that are designed to build rapport. Everybody say build rapport. To build rapport. When, when, when connecting with people about whom you, maybe somebody you don't know very much about and you don't have that, that type of relationship that y'all talk about deep things, you know, asking open-ended questions can sort of be a way of getting to know them a little bit better. So, Here's some examples of some of these questions that be a report. Well, how long have you been going to, what, how long have you been a member of EBC? All right, that starts the question right now. How long have you been a member of EBC? Is somebody who you don't know regularly, or you don't, maybe don't interact with regularly, maybe you one of the people who fly out of here after church on Sunday and don't commune with anybody? See, we're building a whole foyer area in the new, in the new building so we can, we can promote connectivity. Again, I, I, you're not going to stay around all day, but, but, but at least, you know, five or ten minutes. Come on now, some of, some of y'all, you know, I know what some of y'all do. Some of y'all say they're lying too long back there, so these doors are back here. I'm parked back there. Why am I going to go out there? And y'all be boogieing, boy. But my point is, you know, if it's five or ten minutes, you know, you know to, to, to commune with your fellow believers. So we're going to build a place to us to, to have some, some welcome fellowship. Amen? But, 
but again, how long have you been a member? That, that's, that's a question. That's an open-ended question. Uh, what, what, have you most, what do you like most about your church home here? Uh, how long have you been married? Um, you know, are you involved in the ministry activity of the church? You're just kind of open, asking questions. Uh, how long you lived in this area? Those are open-ended questions. They're designed to do what? Build rapport, okay? Or if, if you connect them with somebody at, at home, that, that's at church there. But if you're at somebody's house, uh, it looks like you enjoy reading if you see books on their bookshelf. Uh, you may see a Harley Davidson motorcycle in the garage. How long you been riding motorcycles, man? You know, just start, start a conversation. If you see New Orleans Saints paraphernalia all across the house, then that's, that's a conversation starter. Start, how long do you think Drew Brees going to keep playing? You know, you signed Teddy Bridgewater, so maybe he's the future heir apparent. Uh, you know, start talking sports. Everybody say, Bill Rapport. You see pictures on the mantle. Hey, is that your grandchild? Is that your son? Yeah, how old was it we took the picture? Okay, oh, I didn't know he played sports, whatever. You know, asking questions to be a rapport. Second type of question is questions that relate to spiritual inquiry. Because a lot of times people are, are reluctant to say stuff until, until they can get comfortable with you, right? Questions that deal with spiritual inquiry. You know, what's your, what's your church... What's your background? Give, give, give me a little insight on your spiritual background. How, how, how did you grow up? Some, some of you may have grew up Episcopalian, you know, Church of God in Christ, or uh, grew up in a Baptist, traditional Baptist church, or maybe you grew up in a, in a Word of Faith type ministry. Um, ask a question about the spiritual background. Uh, in what ways do you, you, know, you, you, you feel the most blessed? And now you, 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 you get into and getting an understanding about where that person stands spiritually. So spiritual inquiry. Um, uh, how would you characterize where you are on your faith journey right now? If a person says, a person says huh? I don't know what you're talking about. That gives you some insight as to where they are spiritually. So spiritual inquiry is the second type of question. The, the, the third type of question are what we call uh, reflective questions. And, and, and as it relates to spiritual inquiry, there's a whole lot of other questions you can ask. Um, how'd you come to know the Lord? That's the first thing I want to well, get. Tell me about your conversion experience. And it, that's critically important. I started asking this when I'm doing premarital counseling because I don't believe that Christians should marry non-Christians. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. All right, so you shouldn't be marrying somebody who you know don't know Jesus and you're saved. So what I start, I don't, I don't, I stopped asking, are you saved? Anybody can say yes. Tell me about your conversion experience. How did you get saved? Well, um, you know, I just remember, I just remember getting baptized one day, Pastor. Well, conversion has to be a little bit deeper than that. So that's going to tell me about what that person is. So spiritual inquiry is critically important when we're trying to show that we really care. So the third type of question, reflective question. Reflecting. How do you feel about what's going on now? What do you think about uh, that ministry opportunity that we had? How did you feel about it? Do you, you think it went well? Oh, what, what's your take on that? You know, asking people those reflective questions, not just yes or no questions, is critically important, okay? How are you and your family coping or adjusting? You know, maybe you had a tragedy. Maybe you had a death in the family. How you, how you, how you doing, man? How you, how, you, how, you, how you really doing? Don't, don't give me just the fine answer, but tell me how you really doing. How y'all adjusting? What, what are you doing different to cause that situation not to happen again? I'm not talking about death, but any other situation that happened. Okay, are, are there particular things that are weighing on your heart and mind right now? What, what's heavy on your mind right now, brother? 
So that, that's, that's the type of question that, that shows that I'm concerned about you and I'm asking those questions not to be nosy, but to cause you to reflect and to give me a, 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 a plan or a, a roadmap to begin to help you and to show you that I really care about you, brother, and I want to walk with, that th- walk with you through that thing. So reflective question. Are there certain ways in which you sense God's presence and voice? You're asking those kind of questions to cause them to reflect. And then the fourth type of question, those questions that, that cause us to, we call going deeper, all right? Blind Bartimaeus was asked a pointed question by Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? I, listen, I, I had, a, I had a, a guy who's a guy who's an ex-banker friend of mine. He was, he was actually, matter of fact, he was, he was a, uh, I think he ultimately, he was, he was the president of a local bank here. And I, I knew because we worked together early on in my career. And he asked me a question, and it kind of threw me back. And I did like most of us do when we, we ask those kind of questions. Well, I'm good. No, nothing, nothing, man. He says, what can I do for you? That's what he asked me. He said, what can I do for you? He didn't say, how can I help you? He says, what can I do for you? Now, that's, a, that's an open-ended question. I had a lot of stuff I, I, I thought of that he could have did for me. But the first thing I said was, no, I'm good. And that's what most of us do, right? You know what? I, I could have said, you know what, man? Yeah. You have a couple thousand you can hold, let a brother hold? <laughs> but, but guys, what, if somebody asked you that question, and what if you had a financial need? Would you be too embarrassed to say, hey, he's still working at the bank. He could, he could, have, he could have gave me a loan. He could have did whatever. But are you too embarrassed to be honest with people when they ask you, hey, man, how you really doing? Is there anything I can do for you? Yeah, bro, Pastor, I need, I need your help. Man, I, it seems like when I talk to my kid, he doesn't, he doesn't listen to me. Can you, do you mind talking with me for me? Because sometimes, you know, two people, two different voices may say the same thing can, can help. One to put 1,000 to flight, two to put 10,000. But maybe you're too embarrassed to tell the pastor that you're having trouble dealing with your child. Because you want everybody in the church to think everything is hunky-dory. We don't have no problem at the Smith household because we look the part. We're two professionals, two kids, living in the suburbs, three-car garage because we got two cars and a truck and a motorcycle. Everybody thinks we're blessed. And I can't dare let the pastor know that we're struggling with our children. Because we look good. I even prayed one time on Sunday. I even come to Sunday school every now and then. But how are you really doing? See, really caring causes us to have to go deeper. See, and the idea, guys, is to challenge people to reflect on the answers that they're giving you and relate at a deeper level. Amen? So going deeper, those kind of questions. Why do you think you're feeling that way toward her? Why are you feeling some kind of way toward her? Why is that? You, that's your fellow sister in Christ. But why are you feeling that way? Uh, uh, what, what, what is it in particular that you're anxious and worried about. See, going deeper causes people to reflect. 
Okay? So those are four things that when you're asking questions, you want to ask questions to build rapport, right? Some commonality things. You want to ask questions to, 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 to inquire spiritually where people are because until you start asking questions, just because their name is on the church roll, just because they're here and they say they're saved, don't mean that they're growing. They may be baby Christians, but when you start asking questions of the spiritual nature, you begin to get an understanding about where that person stands. Jesus did it all the time. He did it all the time. I just read you just a, just a, a small portion of all the scriptures that we ask questions of. So, so, so key points I want you to walk away with it. Okay? So when you ask those questions, number one, some key points here. Watch these, write these down. Three things. Frame your questions carefully. Everybody say frame them carefully. Ideally, questions come to mind out of a desire to better know people and flow from the context of your conversations. See, uh, frame your ca questions carefully. Because here's, here's, here's what I want you to understand and know. Asking spiritual inquiry and reflective questions is fundamental to showing that you really care. It's fundamental to caring ministry. So asking spiritual inquiry and reflective questions. Because most of, most of us, here's what we do. I told you before that caring ministry is more than just transactional. And what we do, we start asking questions about the problem that they need fixed. And don't ask questions that deal with the person who we're in relationship with and who we're trying to help. God is more concerned about us being relational than he is about us being transactional. Oh, we ask a thousand questions about the money problem, the, the ride problem, the house problem, the, whatever, the job problem. But spiritual inquiry, reflective question, questions that go deeper deal with the person and not just the problem. Yes, we won't get to the problem, but we want to show that we care about the person more so than just dealing with the problem. Okay? So frame your questions carefully. Good questions can help people to connect with their feelings, reflect on their faith, and articulate their desires and remind them that Jesus loves them. Okay, second thing I want you to write down. So frame your questions carefully. Third thing, second thing, use questions to help people reflect. Okay? Use questions to help people reflect. Instead of responding with comments, try responding with questions or statements that encourage reflection. Stuff like, I'm not sure I'm following you. Tell me a little bit more about that. I'm not sure I'm following you, but tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, what, or here's, a, here's another one. What leads you to believe that? Because I mean, I, I, I never forget. I, I, I get very close. Dr. Ruben, let us go. A great friend of mine, she came up and spoke to us on, on several occasions. But she said, she said something that it was funny, but yet at the same time, it was very uh, 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 eye-open. She, she was talking about her husband, and he had a certain way of believing something. She says, I believe you believe that. Now, what he was believing wasn't right, but she says, I believe you believe that. How many of y'all know y'all in a relationship with people who believe something that ain't right, but you better believe that they believe that? Just as wrong as two left shoes, but they believe that. And Mariah and I do that sometimes with each other. She said, I believe you believe that. She said, I believe that you believe that that's a good portion. <laughs> but, but it's not. All right? So, so ask, you know, Use these questions to, use questions to help people reflect. How does that make you feel? Any thought on what you might do next? These are, these are reflective questions. Um, are there certain things you might do that may help to make the situation better? 
There's something that you can do. Because most of the time when, I, when I'm counseling people, they always tell me about what the other person is doing. I want to know, was, is, is there anything you think you can do to help it be better? No, it's all her. It's all her. It's all her. Yeah, it's all her. No, it's all him. He, he's a problem. Well, is there something that you can do better to help alleviate the problem? Okay? All right, so use questions to help people reflect. And lastly, listen for opportunities. Listen for opportunities, okay? If you sense people are spiritually stagnant or if their faith has become stymied for one reason or another, you might ask people to, about their faith and what's most challenging to them at that point in time. And based on what you discover, incorporate what you hear into your prayer request and how you're going to minister to them. So frame your questions carefully. Use questions to help people reflect and listen for opportunities. That's what Jesus did. <laughs> Blind Bartimaeus yelled. They were trying to tamp him down. But he know, he heard, he couldn't, he couldn't see, but he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he shouted out, Son of David, have mercy on me. But Jesus asked him a question. What do you want me to do for you? Next time somebody asks you that question, you better tell them what you want them to do for you. I don't know what that guy, that, knowing the guy the way I know him, if I'd, if I'd have told him, say, man, listen, I, I, I need about $50,000 unsecured. I ain't got no collateral. It's on my signature. He would have did it. I'm serious. He would have did it. It's $50,000, $75,000 unsecured. He would have did it. But I was taken aback by somebody asking me, what can I do for you? And see, here's what I want us to be, a church where we go into a situation and say, man, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And we really mean it, okay? Jesus gave his life for us so that you and I could have a right to the tree of life. He hung, bled, and died on Calvary's hill so that you and I could be in a relationship with his father. My question to you today is, how close are you in your relationship with God? All of us have the same privilege, the same opportunity, to get close to God. Let him have his way in your life. Now, as we prepare to extend the invitation, 